thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. In your Bibles, if you will, look with me at the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 8. 1 Samuel, chapter 8. You want to get there because I'm going to read about 22 verses. And, but it tells a, a, an incident in the life of the children of Israel, Israel at the time, of Samuel. And I think we're going to glean some real truth from it as we get into this subject as we talk about these elections and the voting. It was a limousine that was filled with politicians that they had just left the summit meeting and they were on their way back to their hotel so they decided to take a little different shortcut through the country road, look at the countryside a little bit, two-lane highway. As they were driving down, it began to storm a little bit. As a result of it, they hydroplaned they flipped over and they landed in this farmer's field up against this tractor. And uh, so the owner heard the crash, so he went out to investigate. Um, and he saw the tractor and he saw those that were in the car and he thought it was a hopeless situation. So he uh, buried the passengers, took the tractor, and buried the passengers. So the next day, the sheriff was out looking for these missing people, and the limo, knowing he was out there somewhere, and saw the car on its roof as it's in the middle of the field. And as he went up to it, he saw the farmer there, and he asked the farmer what had happened, and he told him about how the storm came that night, and the car obviously flipped over, and he found these passengers. And, and he said, uh, I just buried them, uh, all the passengers. And the deputy asked, uh, were you certain that all these people were dead and they were all politicians that were in this car? Well, said the farmer, a few of them claimed they weren't, but you know politicians, you can't believe a word they say. So there, I, I, I shared that with Cheryl, she just said, don't tell that. So I, I disobeyed her and uh, and I told her even then, no, I'm going to share it. So I wasn't, I, I didn't do this behind her back. I told her, no, you're wrong. I'm going to tell it. Now, in case you're not aware, uh, we are in election year. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've been asleep for the last two years or something. You know. But all of us are, <laughs> I mean, all of us are much aware that it's happening. Now, I'm not here to promote or to endorse a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. That's not my purpose. I don't think that's my responsibility to do that. But I do feel a responsibility to give leadership in this area and some spiritual leadership that really in turn turns out to be the more the reality of it all is it's a spiritual thing that's happening too. But I do believe that the Word of God uh, gives us the things that we need to know in choosing a leader. And there are some descriptions. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about vote the biblical values. If you were to put a title on this, vote the biblical values. Let me first of all read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Would you look at 1 Samuel chapter 8? Beginning with verse 1, it came to pass when Samuel 
was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Verse 3 says, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Sound familiar? Then all the, Israel, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. You have to realize up until this time, there were no kings in Israel. They were led by prophets and priests. But the Word of God would speak to them. Then there was a time of the judges when God used the judges that would sit in judgment at the city gates that were hopefully men and women, men of God that would give judgment at this particular time. But the thing displeased Samuel, verse 6, when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, listen carefully, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign, say reign. That's a key word there. If you want to circle that in your Bibles or in your notes, wherever it might be, they rejected God, but they did not want him to reign over them. Basically is what they were doing. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So God's response to Samuel was, listen, Samuel, this is not a new thing to me. Since the time I brought them out of Egypt and showed them my ways, miracles, and power, I shared my will with them to take them into a promised land and give them freedom that they hadn't had for 400 plus years. And yet they constantly challenged my ways. They constantly questioned them, constantly rebelled against them, and they have rejected me. So he said, Samuel, it's not new to me. And they're not really rejecting you. They are rejecting me. Pick it up at verse 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. Will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. Some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves. He will give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain, of your vintage, and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. You will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. So he told Samuel, Samuel, give them what they want, but I want you to warn them one more time. I want you to make it very clear what's going to happen. But somehow they had this mindset that they wanted a king and nothing was going to deter them. So hearing all those warnings, I mean, common sense would have told me if I were heard all that, well, let's think about this thing, guys. 
I mean, did you hear what God said is going to happen? So they had to consciously make a decision. Although they heard, they still wanted to go the route that they had chosen, and they wanted a king like others. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. That's exactly what happened at this time. There are several things that we glean from this and from other portions of Scriptures, but let's start here with what we learn from this particular story that we read, which is reality. Number one, remember, Jesus is not on the ballot. Right? I mean, if Jesus was on the ballot, it would be real easy right now. Jesus will never be on a ballot. <laughs> he will be king of kings, but he will never be on a ballot. We would all love to have a president that had character. We'd all love to have a president who has impeccable integrity, that would be honest, would have the ability, would have the experience, would have a sensitivity to the spiritual thing. That's what we would really love to have. And sometimes I think that we kind of think that that is possible. Jesus is not on the ballot. And it will never be possible to have someone perfect that is ever going to be on the ballot. Some of them are going to have flaws, sometimes more than other times the flaws will be there. But here's what we need to do. We need to keep our focus. My kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world. Our focus is, is that when we talk about Jesus, we talk about God, we talk about kingdom, we, we need to keep the perspective. Our focus is that His kingdom is not of this world. Don't put your hope in a specific party or candidate, basically. So no matter who was elected, here's what you have to understand. I'm a believer, I'm a child of the king. Jesus is not on the ballot. I'm a believer, I'm a child of the king. Second of all, the king is not the answer to your problems. Now, this particular incident is that they were wanting a king. Samuel was getting old. His sons are not righteous. They're not walking in his ways. They're greedy. They're accepting bribes. They have perverted justices. Again, sounds familiar 3,000 years later. And they had a legitimate complaint. They had something to complain about. And there's nothing for us to voice our complaints, legitimate complaints. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what they had was a wrong mindset out of frustration, much like today. I don't know if you feel some frustration, but at times I could sense it uh, coming. I, I try to immediately get on top of it, not only frustration, some confusion, some anxiety, and not that I've been overcome by it, but I, you can sense that it's there. And I talk to enough people that I know that they are not only sensing it, but they're actually come underneath it. And there's a kind of a heaviness that's come on a lot of, of God's people not knowing what to do. The economy, the attack on religious freedom, immigration, entitlements, taxes, health care, national security, and on and on and on. There's just a whole lot of things 
that are facing us at this particular juncture in our country. But the people in this particular incident lost sight of who they belonged to. That's what they lost sight of. They, they saw that things weren't going as they, that, that they were under Samuel. They saw that there was some cor- corruption. But yet, so they, so they gave up on the idea that God could rule through the judges, and they immediately were looking for another answer. And here's where we have to be careful. When frustration sets in, confusion sets in, little anxiousness sets in, our tendency is, is to go away and look for an answer somewhere else. And the patience is not there to wait on God and trust God. So we want something that we could relate to. They wanted a king they could relate to, like the other nations. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. They weren't being transformed because, you know, there are times of difficulty when we could be transformed because we're learning how to trust God and put our confidence in God, keep our hope in God. And yet we don't even give them a chance to work that in us. We're running after another answer, something that other nations have. So conforming to how other people handle their frustrations. We need to maintain our focus. And part of that focus is is that we are temporarily here. This is just a temporary thing. We're here for a short period of time. This is not our permanent home. And we need to trust God. Out of Israel's frustration, they wanted a king. So what we have here, Israel's problems were deeper than the fact that they desired a king. And God makes it very clear. The problem wasn't that they desired a king. The problem was, and the deepest part of the problem, they were rejecting the God of Israel. They were rejecting his ways. And they were looking to man's ways or their own ways to solve their problems. So instead of trusting God, they thought that the king was an answer. And the king isn't. So Jesus is not on the ballot, and the king is not an answer to your problem. Now this third one, we're going to take a little bit more time on, because this is really part of the meat of the message. The guidance you need concerning your choice is found in the Word of God. Now, you would expect me as a pastor speaking to a congregation on Sunday morning. That's common sense. I should say something like this. But not only should, do I want to say this, I, I want us to walk away from here seeing the reality of that. What does it mean to have the Word of God direct us and guide us, particularly concerning this election that we're faced with right now? Who and what platform do we have closest to biblical values? That's what we have to look to. They're not perfect. Jesus is not on the ballot. It's not what we expected, especially this particular election. Many of us did not think it would come down to this. You know that? I, for one, could not see that, that it was going to come down to this until the end. I mean, it was hard to believe, but here's where we're at. So now I have to see what platform, who's speaking closest to biblical values at this time. Let me give you some examples. What do we mean by that? Biblical values. How about life? Just life itself. The value of human life, whether the unborn or whether it be the elderly. Where are the platforms leaning? What are they 
seem to be doing in the future? Are they going to stick with biblical values or are they straight away from that never to return? It's a question we have to answer and ask ourselves. Psalm 139, 13 says, For you form me in my inner parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Isaiah, the psalmist, Job, all make reference to being formed and known in the mother's womb. It's very clear what the Bible says. I knew you when you were being formed. While you were yet born, I, I knew. Even goes as far as the inference is before you were even in that womb. So God's hand is upon that womb from the very beginning. Where life begins at conception. How about another example, entitlements or welfare? Now, the minute you bring this up, and here's one of the bigger problems, is that a lot of people don't want you to be talking about that because rather than trust God, we vote according to what's going to make and be more convenient for us or what's going to make our life more comfortable. We're looking too much to our comforts and what's convenient and what we want, and therefore we override the biblical principles to get something that more conforms to what we want. Does that make sense? It's entitlements. I feel as though I'm entitled to it. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's very clear. Now, do I believe that there are some people that are needy and need help? Yes. Absolutely. First of all, I think the family should be the first online help. I think the church should be there right along with it. But I do believe we have responsibility collectively that we should help people that are in need. There's no doubt about it. It's going beyond that when there are people who can work, who are taking advantage of a system, and if someone doesn't put their foot down and stop it, we're just going to keep putting money and money and money and more things into it and effort. So who is more closely to be able to bring it into balance, if you will? How about marriage? If you think about the subject of marriage, Genesis chapter 1 makes it very clear that God created man in his own image, male and female, he brought together. Marriage, you can't even call it marriage. If it's other than male and female, it's not a marriage. It might be living together. It might be a partnership. You can call it something else, but you cannot call it a marriage because it's defined not in the dictionary. It's defined by God. It's male and female makes up a marriage. What value? That's a biblical value. What platform or who is going to keep us close to that? How about Israel? The nation of Israel. We know that God's hand is on Israel. We know God has a plan for Israel. We know that they're the apple of his eyes. We know that we have a mandate as Christians, and we believe that our country should stand behind Israel. What platform, who do we think is going to be a better advocate for Israel? We have to build that value. Do you realize that in these next four years, it's possible that we're going to elect four Supreme Court justices? Do you know how important that is? I mean, it could change everything. And in the next four years, we're faced with this. Who do we believe are the justices and the person who will appoint the justices that are closer to the biblical values? That's who we want in there. And those justices. 
Psalm 119 and verse 133 says, Direct my path by your word. Direct my path by your word. God will direct us by his word. So the question is not who you should vote for. Rather, the more in question is how you should vote. It's not a who thing. It's how. I I have to answer that. So no matter who's up there to be elected, the bigger overriding question is how, how should I vote no matter who's up there? Let me be blinded to a name or a party. Let me see the biblical values. Let that lead me in the booth or in sending it in in mail. Fourthly, you need to realize that God takes no side. He's not Republican, although there are some that I know thinks he is. He's not Democrat. And you know, I have close friends born-again believers that will go a different route than I will. Now, some people say they're not believers even then. It's not true. There are believers. Unfortunately, what we have, again, going back to that same thought that I mentioned before, is that we vote toward our conveniences and what is better for us and our families, what makes it easier for them rather than biblical values, which sometimes stickling to a biblical value is more challenging. Let me be clear in that. It's more challenging because what? I have to learn how to trust in a living God. I have to learn to put my self-centered ideals that I put forward and go for God's ideals. How many understand what I'm talking about? So it could be more challenging, but yet the challenge is only perfecting in us those things which are pleasing to God that will last through eternity. The choices I make here in an election only is a temporary thing. God wants to do a work in my heart. Now in Joshua chapter 5, the story is Joshua, the children of Israel, are ready to go into the promised land. Joshua has taken lead. He's right there. They're at the Jordan River. The first challenge they have is the, is the city of Jericho. And here's Joshua. Here's the scene. Joshua is a praying man. Joshua knew where his help came from. It says he was out by the city of Jericho. I happen to believe that he was out contemplating, praying, and saying, God, And I just could imagine the conversation because I've been there. And the conversation, God, this thing is huge. (laughs) God, if you're not with me, there is no way. I mean, come on, Moses, and now me, and da-da-da-da-da. And he's out there just going back and forth. And that's the scene. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his song sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? That's what a leader would do. Yeah, matter of fact, he had to know that. He didn't know what he was facing at that time, but he asked that question. The answer comes, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. He said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, he hadn't come to take sides. 
Now, Joshua thought he, and rightfully so, I would have thought, I mean, okay, you're on our side, right? <laughs> and God said no. He made it very clear. He was setting a precedent. He, he was giving us a message even for today. I don't take sides. I'm not on anybody's side. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He came to take over. Jesus comes to take over. He wants to take over your situation. He wants to take over this whole situation that we're concerned with. And that's where our focus needs to be. He did not align himself with Joshua's agenda or Jericho's agenda. That wasn't it at all. He aligned himself with a whole other agenda. You know what it was? The kingdom of God. What is best for the advancement of the kingdom of God? What will best suit what I'm trying to do in their heart? That's the side he's on, the kingdom of God's side. And we need to line up with where God is concerning that. And the only thing, way we can do it is by his word. Now, in a football game, which you were in the football season, and you probably watch the Broncos this afternoon. They're playing, right? Yeah, okay. So they're playing. And... Uh, so when I, I would say, well, listen, on that field there, how many teams are involved? Your answer would be two. There's the Broncos and then the bad guys, right? So that, that would be our answer right here. But you know there's actually three teams on the field. It's the team that we're for, the opposing team, and the referees. And do you realize that the referees are the most important team that's on that field? Because they're going to make decisions that could really determine which way the game is going to go. They keep things within the boundaries. When someone goes out of bounds, they're there to say you went out of bounds. You see, they're, they're the ones that control that whole thing, just like the Word of God controls this whole game of life that we have. And God is the referee. The Word of God is the referee on it. We can play, but you see the key, again, it's not one side or the other side. It's the referee. What does the referee say concerning this thing? You ever notice when a call is made or something happens, both teams are screaming up and down that it was this way or it was that way? But then the referee says, okay, no, here's the way it was. That's what the Word of God will do. Okay, number five. No matter what the outcome is in this coming election, Say it. God is sovereign. No matter what the outcome is, it might not go your way at all. There are a lot of things in life that might not go your way, haven't gone my way, but that doesn't take from the sovereignty of God. That doesn't dethrone Him. That doesn't throw Him. He doesn't change His agenda. His agenda is the same no matter who's in office. He'll keep working his agenda of the kingdom of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God, people coming to know their Savior, being delivered, set free, and ready for heaven. A team of people who will worship and give God his rightful place. Psalm 103 and verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. In the book of Daniel, the Most High rules the kingdom of men. Notice, he rules the kingdom of men. Now, Daniel is in a situation where it wasn't a godly government. There weren't godly people there at that time. They were in Babylon. They were, under, they were in this, this whole atmosphere or area where pagans worship other gods. 
And yes, Daniel prospered. Daniel knew who was sovereign. And listen, you need to know no matter what happens, we need to know who is sovereign. And it's not one party or one man or one woman over another. It is God that rules. Daniel chapter 4, I love this one, Daniel 4, 26. Heaven rules. Look it up, Daniel 4, 20. It says heaven rules. You remember, you know, the seniors in high school, sometime at the end of the year, they're put on their windows of their car, seniors rule. You know, you might see girls rule, no way. You know, men rule, things, you might see all the, no, heaven rules. I know I'll get something back on that one. Let me give you some summary thoughts. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. The children of Israel didn't keep their focus. They turned from who they should have been depending on. They turned from what they knew was right. They turned from the warning that God had given. How often does the Word of God give us warning if we make this particular choice over another particular choice that goes against the Word of God? And yet, don't look at the people in Samuel's day, look right here in this room. We do the same thing. We know what the Word of God says. We know the warnings of the Word of God. And yet we make those decisions that bring consequences that are very difficult to live with. Keep your focus. Israel didn't. Second of all, the Lord Jesus doesn't give us the luxury of disengagement. Now, I say this one because here's what I hear a lot of. I hear this, is that, man, <laughs> I'm not going to vote for anyone. I mean, I just, I've just pulled back from the whole thing. I'm tired of the whole thing. I'm frustrated. I, I don't care how it all comes out. Listen, we don't have the luxury of doing that. I don't believe Jesus gives us the luxury of doing that. You see, by doing that, you say, well, I'm just not going to vote at all. That's a vote. And you need to know that. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 21. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Caesar was certainly not a godly man. He certainly wasn't treating Israel the way they should be treated or the Jewish people. But yet Jesus said you have a responsibility to Caesar. You have a responsibility to God. Balance it out. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Do you believe that? You ought to read all of Romans chapter 13. It puts us on the spot sometimes. We begin to question, but listen, I, I'm not going to question what I feel or desire. I have to look to the Word of God, and that's got to be my lead, the biblical values. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Let me give you the third one. Vote with God because He has His own side. Vote with God, and that's what I mean by voting biblical values. We're simply going to vote with God. Whatever the leanings are as we look at it, as we examine it. So I'll say this as a final thought, and I'm going to have you stand up just in a minute. Look at this. Vote with the party, person, or platform that best represents God's values to advance his kingdom. 
Let me say it again. Vote with the party, person, or platform that best represents God's value and advances his kingdom. Jesus is not on the ballot. Remember that. The king is not our answer. God is our answer. So we vote what is closest to the situation. Would you stand, please? We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.